Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Couple with Cheryl, your favorite podcast on winning at all things single parenting. If you are a single parent or you know anyone that's a single parent, this is the podcast to listen to. We take from people's stories and use it to get better. All right, so I have a very, very, very interesting guest with me on the show. He's my big brother. Yes, I look up to him like a lot. I have always done that since I was younger. But he's my big brother, he's my cousin, and his name is Leslie Okomele. I call him Lord Les. Welcome, Lord Les, to the couple with Cheryl. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're, you're too kind. Um, <laughs> glad to finally be on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I know I've. I've uh, managed to dodge you for as long as I could, but uh, well, here we are now. Yes, I managed to to snag you this one time. All right, Lord Les, um, so good to have you here. Oh yeah, a quick one um, for our listeners today. We're talking about raising children, so we we've dealt a lot with the single parents in the situation and how they get to be good so that they can raise their kids. But then we want to talk practical steps on how. You can actually raise your children, and Lord Les is going to is going to give us a bit of insight because you know he's had some experience in that area. So, please, Lord Les, tell us how you came to be in this situation. Thank you. So, um, first of all, um, I'm uh, co-parenting, right? As I understand it from the definitions you gave me, which is uh, a situation that came about my uh, first marriage ended, and there were two children from that and so obviously having gone our separate ways uh, I still needed to find a way to be involved in my son's lives um, and now that I'm remarried I uh, have a new family uh, obviously my the younger of my first two children from my previous marriage still lives with me um, and so there is a an element of co-parenting mm -hmm. uh, with regards to decisions that we make um, that concern him. Um, so yeah, that's where my unique perspective comes from as a okay. as a man who is on the uh, other side of what you know. Most most people tend to assume that single parenting is a, a female domain, but um, co-parenting is very much something that men are involved in as well mm -hmm. um and i just happen to be one of those men so yeah that's why right. sort of gives us a background as to your, the story they're going to be telling us how you were able to to deal with that but um let's talk a bit more specifics right so you have two children from your first marriage how old or how young were were the boys when you had to split so um they were 12 and 5 okay. when we separated and obviously that that was let me say i shouldn't say obviously that was in 2008 so 12 years on they are now 23 and help me out here 16 going on 17 or yeah. 17 going on 18 yeah and um the younger of the two uh, obviously was is the one who has spent more time with me and has more or less grown up in that co-parenting environment because my oldest son kind of by the time we reached a, a, an equilibrium in the relationship between his mom and myself um, he was already going on to university and therefore he was more or less he, he was he was in a position where he was now starting to get involved in decisions that pertains okay. to his future 
so yeah so, so most of my experiences have been to do with my second son because that's really where from the time he was I think eight nine he came back to live with me and up till now um, you know we, he's he's been with me uh, since then um, and so that's where most of my experience comes from now, the reason why I asked how young or how old they were is because of the children themselves. So, how did the children deal? Okay, so if I heard you correctly, the question was how did we, how did he deal with the situation? He he took it quite hard um, because uh, he was at that age, I said twelve, I think, where he he and I were already beginning, to, uh, were developing quite a close bond. And I say close in the sense that he was getting to the age where becoming a teenager, going into his teens, and having um, and my boys and I are quite close, uh, and therefore so it was at that age where he was beginning to relate with me uh, in the yeah. sense that I was beginning to start treating him like uh, somebody with a bit more responsibility. So he was in senior school. Um, he was getting uh, you know pocket money and chores and errands and he was being given a bit of freedom in terms of the times that he would have to go and do things so I think the, the separation at the time kind of destabilized all that and I know that he didn't mm -hmm. he didn't take to it quite well he 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 didn't want to, to be separated because at the time what happened was my ex took the two boys and moved and you know so he he didn't like that and um, he made it quite difficult in terms of he wanted to move back and she didn't want him to move back at the time because it was quite a fractious separation. And so it, it was something that needed to be managed in terms of A, trying to make him understand that I would always be around, even if his mom and I were not together. Yeah. And, and I think that was one of the things that made the process of uh, separation and divorce, actually we had to accelerate it because we had to very okay. quickly find a, a method, a system for both of us, both parents to be present and available for the, for the boys. You know, it, it, it became quickly apparent that whatever our personal differences were, we could not allow the, the termination okay. of that relationship to affect the, the boys in terms of their access to both of us you know he didn't take it too well he, he sort of blamed his mom i think because she was the one who actually moved yeah. um and, and i think given that he wasn't given an option to decide whether he wanted to move or not i think he kind of took it quite uh, badly the younger one obviously was much younger so he he was it was one of those things where you know he didn't see me for a while and then started right. seeing me again and just kind of Mm. you know got used got got used to the new situation quite quickly so yeah all right basically since you clearly have been from the beginning co-parenting there are these issues that come up with you know raising your children you mentioned some of them you know when when one child probably just didn't understand why you know it, i always say it's a lot easier when the children are are younger you had to deal with that on both sides, so with a much younger child and, and an older child. But then, were there ever times when, I mean, it's it's really, really difficult, especially when it was a bad breakup. I, I'm 
I'm sorry if I used that word. I don't know how else to put it, but co-parenting in that situation, how did that just sort of work? Was it was it always easy? Or did you just sort of find the balance into it? Were there times when yeah. you, know, you just, maybe like your ex was a problem and she didn't allow you access to the children and things like that. Did that ever come up? I, I just want to get that understanding and then we'll now look at how, you know, we bring the children back into it. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the relationship between my ex and I broke down, which is why, you know, um, it, it was quite, you know, uh, fractures, it, it became untenable for both of us. Um, and I think it was one of those things that ended on, on a very bad footing. Um, but what was immediately apparent, like I said, was having separated, having moved out, within a week and a half it just became clear that it was not going to work for the children you know the idea of um, saying i'm done with this relationship i'm going to take my children and go um, and be and be finished with with you uh, just wasn't going to work because the children did not accept it and i think it certainly for me it was instructive to find that there was still an element of utility in having access to both parents, as bad as the relationship between both of us had gotten. And so it made things difficult, but I think it also helped to accelerate the process of coming to a common understanding between herself and I, because the amount of difficulty that she had with the boys in the period that, that we hadn't agreed on, on the method of visiting and access and all those things meant that she had to come to an agreement not because of any pressure i was putting on her but simply because the boys themselves just made it clear that they were as i understood it they just made themselves unmanageable created all kinds of scenes and and there were all kinds of arguments and quarrels and and you know to have an, an argument with a child at that age can itself be quite challenging because you are, you, are, you are going to have to come to terms with the fact that this child is being forced to mature quicker than they need to because I'm mm -hmm. creating a situation where they're having to sort of accelerate their own agency. You know, the right that the child itself has in that situation to say, I don't want to be away from one parent. And I think it was something that most people don't acknowledge. So when two adults have an issue they want to resolve it between themselves and agree on what they want to do going forward and most times the children are not part of that conversation so having an older child meant that he could make himself heard and he could actually insist that this isn't for me i want to be able to see dad i want to uh, i want him to come to my football matches i want him to be the one to take me to practice i, mm. I don't want to go with you mom because for the past six years, dad has been involved in this thing and I cannot do it without him. So it's it's one of those things where you find that some of the things that the, the structures you create in a home uh, in order to help raise the children in a certain mm -hmm. way, those structures themselves um, need to exist separate of whatever the status of the relationship may or may not be. And it is those structures really that you use to raise a child. So. Once we got to the point where 
it was clear that my older son was not comfortable with the idea. My younger son was just like, where's daddy? Where's daddy? Where's daddy? It was just, where is he? And I think that it became a burden on her in the sense that whatever we were going to need to agree on, separating me from the children was not going to be part of it. And I also know that the, the taking of the children was a, was a sort of emotional tactic to say, okay, there they are, I've taken mm -hmm. them with me now, so you don't have access to them. And I didn't press it at the time because A, I didn't think that fighting over them was the proper thing. And I sort of figured that having the role I'd played in their lives up to that point meant that they would need me around anyway and therefore it was always something that i just thought rather than force the issue better to let her understand that herself and that's essentially what happened you know um, we were able to come to a, a quick understanding that we needed to agree visitation rights every other weekend yeah. you know i needed to be able to come to school and pick them up i just needed to be involved because the children wanted that to be this, the case Okay. okay, so let's talk about decision-making, at least when it got to that point where, where there was that agreement that you clearly had to be involved. We're told, and, and of course, um, from my second episode, I stress that co-parenting is the ideal situation um, where there's something that leads to the breakdown of a relationship or a marriage. Single parenting is not so cool, but we navigate it either ways. And then there are times where you have parallel parenting. So the, the partners find a way to attend to the needs of the children without interacting with each other. So <laughs> there's still that rift and that spike and all that going on. But they say, look, we're going to make this work. I just want to be clear. Was it a situation of co-parenting from the start? Or did you guys kind of work your way to that? Because when we say co-parenting is the ideal situation, we need to understand if it's easy to get to that. Is it? Are there things that you do that make it just work from the beginning or is it something that you have to build to? Okay, I think in my case, certainly, I, I have to stress that it's not been easy. So we are not co-parenting easily. Um, you know, the, the relationship between myself and my ex has never really repaired. And so the interactions we have are still okay. difficult. But the, the, what I have always done is I have kept them focused entirely on the children at the time. And because of the differences in their age, we've kind of gone through a gamut of different situations. So the whole situation around my older son and his GCSEs, uh, his A-levels, for instance, the time he, he had the option to do his A-levels staying with me or staying with her and we gave him the choice and he chose to stay with her which which I supported and um, which she kind of engineered because she didn't want she wanted them to be close to her but the reverse side of that was he became unmanageable because by the time he got to 17, 18 the freedoms that he demanded and the lack of discipline that had associated his time with her became something that worked against her so having made that decision i found myself being asked to intervene in domestic issues in her house and i you know and i always used to say to her that i never had problems when he was with me one um he didn't manifest those 
situations. So those were things that I, as far as I was concerned, I couldn't get involved in because I can't manage him in her house. That's, that has to be her domain. Now, I would tell her that in my mm. opinion, there were certain things that she should probably be doing differently because in my opinion, those were the things that probably allowed him to behave in a certain way. But I, I have to give it as objectively as possible as an opinion and say, that's how I see it. Now, one of the things I made it a rule to do was every time I got a call saying, oh, he's doing this or he's doing that and I'm getting tired and I'm fed up, I would say, fine, is he there? Can I speak to him? And then made it a point to ask him to tell me what had happened. Because the two-sided thing, using yeah. emotional um, circumstances, was something that I, I learned very quickly to stop doing with my, my, my boys on the basis that I needed them to continue to maintain the trust that we were building up even before the separation where I said to them it was important that whatever they did or whatever happened they could tell me the truth so even if I didn't like what they did right. I needed to be able to say that okay because you are able to tell me the truth I, I can hear that you've done something and I don't like it and I don't approve of it but I will then help you out of it because I don't want you getting in trouble for that on the basis obviously that doesn't happen again or that I will punish you separately for it because it is not acceptable. So a lot of times those situations um, came about and like I said it was really for, for my older son it was about always being able to speak to him and get him to tell me in his own words what had happened because obviously you'd get a different perspective and invariably then it would be a thing about saying okay as a young man trying to teach him about taking responsibility for his own behavior so if, if you're annoyed at something take a walk if her new husband or the guy she was in a relationship with at the time is, is robbing you the wrong right. way you're in their house now so and i always used to say to him that this was a choice that you made to go and stay there so it, it was really about those building blocks about teaching how you have to take responsibility for your decisions and your actions and therefore mm. for him it was uh, much more difficult because you know getting to that age you are talking about a young man becoming an adult and therefore needing to deal with the requirements of society on him to act in a responsible manner so it, it was all that um, whereas for, for my younger son it was different he was happy, you know, with the visits. He was happy to stay there. And I was happy to let him stay with his mom until I began to notice dip in his performances at school. So he is also one who started school, who was reading two, three levels ahead of his classmates, whose vocabulary was ahead of his classmates. And over, I think, two, three terms, he just dipped, you know, just went from being on par with everyone to dropping below you know, the average. Uh, and for me, I just felt that that was not a good development. And I wasn't sure if it was because of the school or because of the situation with his mom and I, or just that he was beginning, to, nobody was paying attention to him. He was getting forgotten and all in all this. So at that time, I then said, okay, look, I can't leave him in that school. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take him out and I'm going to find a school for him. Mm -hmm. Somewhere mm -hmm. closer to me where I can monitor him, where I can keep an eye on how he's doing. And so during one summer, he spent the summer with me, we went to schools, we did interviews, and he worked very hard 
to get a place in a, an independent school. Um, yeah, and so for me, it was a question. It was just a, a measure of how well he could do if a he the, the demand for him to excel was placed on him, uh, and that was a concern I had. That we help our children to achieve things by encouraging them to aspire to achieve things and so I, I think it was that the fact that he was able to spend uh, six weeks of summer work hard take yes. two interviews at two independent schools and get places that made the decision easier for both of us you know myself and his mom to say okay he's done the work he's got the school i'm going to be paying for it so this has got nothing to do with uh, financial, uh, it's for his benefit. I am doing it because I absolutely need him to continue to strive to be the best he can be. He himself, he was quite proud of the work he did to get into that school and he liked the school. So it became a no-brainer. And what it simply meant was it became a reversal of the arrangements we had, which was rather than him staying with his mom and visiting me, he was not staying with me and visiting her. And so again, it was one of those things that happened because we, I said by necessity, we looked at the situation. We all knew that his grades were getting poorer. Um, nothing was being done at one end to address it. I spoke to his previous school a number of times. You know, I was also beginning to find that the school itself and the location it was in meant that they were not able to address the needs of uh, young physically what's the word you know he, he was big for his age so he's big he's black and he, he was in a rural school in middle england um and i just felt that okay it's oh, bad enough that right. we have the sort of domestic situation that he's sort of getting his head around now he can't afford to be in a school that cannot relate to him and so that's that's how we've kind of gotten into a, a rhythm with the co-parenting where for me, it's always been about presenting uh, an option to the children and saying, this is what I think we should do. I will help you do it um, if you're interested. And then if you are the one who wants to do it, neither of us will, will stand in your way, uh, which is why also when they say they want to do something that may not necessarily be what I like, I have to let them do it so that they understand that I'm not just preaching it, I'm practicing it. So it's not about putting pressure. I will say to you, I think you should come to this school. I think you would do better if you are here because you can focus and you know that I will make you do the work. But if you go there, you know you're going to have an easier time of it now. So I need you to make the adult decision that if I want something better for myself, this yeah. is what I need to do. So yeah, that's how we came to, it wasn't easy. And even now, things to do with um, school trips and holidays, I, I make those decisions independent. I know there was a recent issue where I had to reduce his visits to his mom because his schoolwork was beginning to drop in quality. And I said, okay, you know what? You are going to stay at home. You're going to work during the holidays. You're going to read all day to a timetable and you're not going to your mom's because I can't afford to let you just go and play around all summer and come back you know, with your head empty. And it didn't go down well. But I said, look, if if he doesn't stay and do the work, then once he goes to you for summer, you're going to have to find him a school because I will not accept him staying here and providing substandard work. So it became a thing where I said, as long as he's here and his schoolwork is not really good, he will not be able to 
visit you. So that's the punishment for him because he looks forward to it. It's not because he's not doing anything for me here. So I don't need him to be here all the time, but it's more about knowing that while he's here, he will do the work. Whereas when he goes there, I can log on to PlayStation Network at two in the morning and I'll see my son's user um, name there playing games. And I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> what's going on? How come he's even awake at this time? So it's things like that. that um, okay. Okay, great. So if I can say that I heard you correctly, your relationship, co-parenting with your ex sort of painted a picture to me like you were the more firm parent. You were a lot more stern. And I don't think disciplinarian is the word to use. I didn't quite hear that. But, but I, I, heard, I heard you talk about how you get across to them and you make sure that they put in the work and all of that. Now, children are very, very smart. They pick up on these things. Did they ever at any point in time try to play on those two things and be like, okay, uh, this is the way mommy is and this is the way daddy is. And so they try and play you guys against each other. All the time. <laughs> all the time but i think that's a, a natural dynamic whether parents are together or not so even in a home where you have two loving parents the children will always try to play one parent off against the other it's about where is my best advantage from the child now like we often hear people who give relationship advice will say if a child comes to you you will say to him go and ask the other parent uh, because both parents need to be in agreement now it becomes harder when both parents are not together because then getting agreement becomes difficult and that was one of the things that but even before we separated we already had that schism in the relationship mm -hmm. so so already I mean, you don't just wake up one morning and everything has ended so you kind of think okay you're already creating That's structures dynamic. for them that oh, sort yeah. of okay. bypass the relationship between both parents where you just have to say okay because we don't agree there are certain things that are immutable that whether i like you or i don't like you we have to agree so watching tv till midnight for a four-year-old is unacceptable you and i don't have to be on good terms you know what time is 7 30 because he's going to school in the morning you know you have to do your homework you have to read for an hour there are certain things you have to do chores make sure your room is tidy mm -hmm. And, and so once you start doing those things for boys, I say for boys because I don't I don't believe that because of the way I was raised, you don't give a boy carte blanche to behave in a house as as though he's the lord of his uh, of a kingdom that he hasn't created. Um, I I find that teaching boys personal responsibilities it's just simple things. Put your things away, create some order in your environment, and that sort of organization helps. Mental, mentally, you know, just being able to approach things in a methodical manner, you know, so so th that was always there. Now, as soon as we, we got mm -hmm. into that situation, it was something that I realized I would have to emphasize in the sense that what is wrong is wrong. So you don't come to me on your alternate weekends and misbehave. Now you come in, you go to your room to put your things away after school, come down, we make dinner, we eat, plates in there, put your plates in, you know, wash your plates, we sit down, watch TV, when it's bedtime, everybody goes to bed. It was something that I never really had to deal with because they knew what the program was when they were with me. 
it wasn't a question of um, I want to do something outlandish. Uh, I said, well, no, we don't have the time for that. I won't get a tantrum in response because they know that the tantrum is not going to further their case at all because past experience has shown that daddy doesn't bend to knees. And for children, it's always about, like I said, it's emotional blackmail. They will test you until you break. <laughs> it's a matter of how much resilience do you have. And if you if you say this, and you know, even a two-year-old, if you wait 10 minutes and then you fold, the next day, they will carry beyond 10 minutes because they're like, okay, it's a matter of how long, you know, so they will go for 10 minutes. Now, when you fold at 15 minutes, they're like, okay, I will just do it for however long it takes, right, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's 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 it. That's every child. When you start doing those things early enough, by the time you start getting to the more important decisions, okay. it, it becomes easier because there's a procedure in place. There's a trust in that child that my this parent has the experience and and has not led me wrong, but has also been able to accommodate my own desire for some level of independence. So there's a trust that you are bringing balance to to it now if you are the other parent who folds all the time but when you are not in the mood you say no and you get angry and you say i'm not doing it at all so okay. there's an inconsistency there that every child because most children require consistency i believe they just they need to see the world is the same they need to be able to until they understand what something is then you explain it to them but before that point you have to present it to them consistently which is why there are some children who grew up believing that Santa Claus comes down chimney. Now, as long as the presents are there on Christmas Day, that's 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 proof that Father Christmas brings them, you know, down the chimney. You just have to maintain that until they are old enough to understand that. Okay, that's not what happens. I'm the one who buys the presents, but then they start to play along because the other child is not ready to understand that, you know. And that's so. That's one example of how you perpetuate these sorts of systems. You know, so right. yeah, I didn't have that um, issue as much as I probably could have if I hadn't been aware of something like that. Um, and you know, obviously, my own uh, background, as you know, ex-military, meant that I could very easily have been the strict disciplinarian yeah. that doesn't tolerate, you know, uh, dissent. But I found that once we were separated. I couldn't take that hard line, you know. I I had to make my decision making accessible to the boys, so that they would understand what I was doing and why I was doing it. They may not have agreed with it, but they would understand it. And that also required me to have some certain level of discipline for myself, because I couldn't insist on something for them that I wasn't willing to demonstrate myself. You know, and um, and so it gave them the confidence that okay, if I say this is how it is, and uh, the rule applies to me too, then that's fine. So if it applies to me, definitely it has to apply to them, and therefore it's easier to accept that we all have to do something because everybody has to do it. I'm saying these things; it wasn't easy, you know. Okay. Um, I, I suppose in my case, I was fortunate in in being able to understand what was happening and so very quickly jumping in front of it to create these sort of situations that meant that when they were with me there mm -hmm. wasn't any problem lingering 
it, it was just like, okay, I pick you up from school. Oh, daddy, daddy, they're happy to see me. We jump in the car. We're talking in the car, telling me about school. I heard something from the teacher. I give you feedback. I don't like that. You know, I'm not impressed by that. You get home and routine. You know, when you get here, okay, you're here now. Coats on the hook, on the peg. Shoes up upstairs. Get changed. Homework straight away. You know, and for kids, knowing what to do at all times is part of a structure that helps you deal with mm. life because you can think okay i'm not dealing with a parent who is lonely and unhappy or who is sad they're not bringing their situation to bear on me so when i'm here this is just life is normal so even if i didn't have money to pay the bills they still ate their three bills they got the kids they needed for school and then when I drop them off, I'm like, oh God, I need to go and look for where I'm going to get. <laughs> I'm going to sort these things out. Um, but that's parenting. Yeah, but I wasn't going to mention the fact that it just seemed like you had time for them. I don't know if that was as a function of the type of job that you were working. I don't know if it was because you were like a um, work from home type of parent. And thinking about everything as you're talking about it, and I'm like, okay, the average parent, I don't want to say Nigeria, but, you know, most parents are out morning till night. Where do they make out the time? Even though they want to have the children come over or the children are actually staying with them. I'm just thinking, okay, making out time to, to pick them up from school and take them home and cook for them and do all that. Like, would you say that is what we normally see? Or were you like a unique type uh, of situation? Um... I think, you know, so even before the separation, like I said, because the situation in the house was already deteriorating, I was having to be more available for them, you know, in the sense that we obviously we never had a situation where one person did one thing and the other person did another thing and we were both working. Um, so it wasn't like come home and sit around waiting for food to magically appear uh, at weekends for example the boys were more or less with me so from waking up early to go for football practice and then go to a match again this was the process that had led to them being able to say that they wanted that to continue even though their mom and i were not together because there was already a situation where I engaged with them consistently. So that thing of waking up on a Saturday and dad is not there. What are we doing this weekend? Where are we going? <laughs> you know, because I would always find time to, we jump on the train and head into town, you know, go to the museum, go watch a movie. Uh, and just the whole process of going on a train to town or going to London or something would mean that we were doing something different. I didn't, I, obviously after the separation, I had to make more time and I did start working from home more. Okay. Uh, so I'd be at home on Friday so that I'd be around and then Monday as well. I, you know, if I was dropping them off, I'd, I'd take Monday off. And it was easier for me because of my job, I was able to do that. Because what you typically have is, especially, you know, co-parenting as a father uh, in certain parts of the world is the man is constantly just out there trying to make that bread and bring it home and he may not necessarily have as much time for the kids. So I think what I take from what you just said is 
you need to structure your life around your children in such a way that I mean, you're a parent, you're already invaluable to them, but then they miss you enough to want to come and be with you and, and they want to relate to you like on that level. I'm saying it because I'm thinking here, like in this part of the world, um, even as a mom, as a, as a, if I were co-parenting, which I'm not even co-parenting, but I'm like, okay, I would be so caught up in wanting to go and make money so that I can fulfill my own obligations to the child. It's a struggle for me here, making time out for my son and having all those activities and everything, because it's always about, okay, how do I take care of this? How do I take care of this for the child? You know, so there's that balance that you have, not just providing for them financially, but emotionally you are there. And it's, it, it, it doesn't seem to me like it is what you would typically find in most households. So that was why I asked that question. So my answer to that would be that, you know, we're talking about co-parenting or single parenting or parallel parenting. And we're making it seem like the key there is the parallel or the co or the single, whereas the parenting is what is the issue. Because making time for your child is parenting, whether you're doing it in a normal family unit with a mom and a dad or a single. So and that's what i mean that I, it was something that was already in place before we separated um so what mm. is what the actual engagement with the child for me uh, as an individual is something that is not continuous more. so I, get that. I suppose that's where the challenge is in some forms of mm -hmm. modern parenting coming because obviously when there's a separation then some people right. choose not to keep that engagement which puts the burden on the other person who has the child and, and to be honest, this, my current environment makes it easier to create diversions mm. or mm. events that you can mm -hmm. use to engage a child easily. Whereas in Nigeria, for example, there are not as many opportunities to do that. So for me, coming home, uh, and if it's summer, and I know that, okay, I'm home at 6.37, but it's going to be daylight till about 9.30. I can say, get your Bible, just go for us. So, and just doing that is time that you spend with the child, especially if the child enjoys doing it. So that's the difference, I think. And obviously, it's not as easy to keep that engagement. Mm. Um, and I think that's where the challenge really right. comes when you start having single parents um, challenges because the other person okay. is not involved. <laughs> right. All right. Thank you very much, Lord Les. We've spoken quite extensively and I did get a lot of things from you. Thank you very much, Cheryl. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys. I hope you absolutely enjoyed that. See you at the next episode.